Hallelujah. I want to talk to you a little bit today about that name. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a prophecy of Isaiah about the coming king which is the wonderful counselor. The everlasting father, the mighty God, the prince of peace which is Jesus. And I want to read you as well Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. It wasn't just by chance. And to a virgin espoused, verse 27, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when he saw him, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Remember, we just read that in Isaiah, that he would have the throne of David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He named him. God, through the angel Gabriel, named this Savior Jesus. There was not the name given, listen to me now, there was not the name given in the Old Testament. It was a mystery. He had to use many names, and he called him the branch. He called him the rod of Jesse, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. There was many names that were referring to the Messiah that would come, but nobody knew what his actual name was. They would call them that the wonderful counselor was coming, that the prince of peace and the mighty God and the everlasting father was coming, but they didn't know his name. They knew names that represented him, but they did not know his name. This in Luke 1.31 was the first moment in human history after thousands of years of prophetic words, after thousands of years of God whispering hints and explaining what, it, what his name would mean and how his name would contain all power. But this was the first moment that the angel Gabriel, one of the highest angels in heaven, the messenger angel of God, came to this, this 14, theologians believe, 14, 14-year-old, 14 pure, virgin young lady, and said unto her, his name. This is a remarkable moment because all of the prophecies of thousands of years did not reveal his name. They revealed descriptions of his name. But now for the first time, the angel says, and his name shall be called Jesus. And refers back to Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, talking about that he would have the throne of David and that he would be great and that his kingdom would never end. This is the name, as you saw in that video, that compasses every other name. 
Now, I want to read you from a few different translations because I think the more you hear it from different ways, the more it will impact you. Would you look at the verse the Lord asked me to share with you this morning, which is in the book of Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles and if you're watching today and you don't have a Bible, don't worry, don't fret, just listen. I'll read it to you. But of course, if you're a regular congregation member and you have your Bible, then please turn with me to the book of Luke, uh, sorry, the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to start, I'm going to start with the King James Version because uh, that's the version that we normally read first, but of course other versions explain it better than the King James Version. But look with me in verse 5. And this is what the Lord led me to say to you today. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And there's a colon. So what he's about to say after that statement is what your mind should be. It's what your thoughts should be on, okay? Now, this is a season of Christmas, but it's not, our mind should not just be on this at Christmas time, but our mind should be on this all the time because he didn't just say at a certain season of the year, but we especially emphasize it at this time of the year. Let this mind be in you, we could add in this Christmas season, but also January 1st to December 31st. What mind? What thoughts? Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is Christmas. He came as the likeness of a human being. But this is not just for Christmas time. This is for any time. We must meditate on this all year long. And being found in fashion as a man because he was born of Mary. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of things in heaven, and of things in earth, and of things under the earth. That means every demon spirit, every fallen angel, every, every hardened sinner that died unrenewed in their spirit that is going to live there forever. And if you don't know Jesus, sir, and if you don't know Jesus, ma'am, and if you don't know Jesus, young man or young woman, I would suggest strongly to you as a preacher of the gospel that you don't play games with God. The Bible says in Hebrews, it is a dangerous and scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. He's not angry with you because his anger was poured out on Jesus, but should you dare to reject what Jesus did on the cross and reject his salvation, you will fall into his angry hands. And that is not a place you want to be. But whether the people that have fallen into those hands that are in the underworld, they, the people on the earth and the ones in heaven, every one of them, everyone in all spheres, oh, that every knee, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hitler will confess it one day. He never did it on this earth to our knowledge, but I promise you, he will do it one day. He will get on his knees and he will confess the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ and he will give God glory. Whether he is saved or not, whether people have died lost or whether they've died saved, every angel, whether he, the third that fell away or the two thirds that stayed, they will all confess at one point in time that Jesus Christ is the greatest name. And that he is Lord. And it says to the glory of God the Father. 
When we say Jesus is Lord, we are glorifying the Father. Amen. Now, that was the King James Version. Allow me to read it to you from a couple other versions I believe will be a blessing to you. Let me read it. Uh, you're not going anywhere. Now, this is a good time. If you want to get popcorn, you know I have to say that, Jenny, the good time to get your popcorn. But don't, don't, don't go be long, though. Keep the volume up, just, you know. And then come right back. You, you know, I'm joking with you, but some of you, I know you do it anyway, even though you think the Lord doesn't see you. The Lord sees you. I don't see you unless he shows it to me. But thank God he doesn't. It might throw me off. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. The, he existed in the form of God. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Amen. It wasn't more important to him to stay as God. It was more important to him to save you. And you are the supreme prize for him. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable. Choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient he was a perfect example even to in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Hallelujah. I love that translation. My God. My God. Hallelujah. Let me also read it to you, please. Praise the Lord. The Phillips translation says it this way, which is another one of my favorites. Let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. Philip, uh, the passion says this is your motivation in life. Philip says this is what your attitude in life, in life, not just at Christmas, should be. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogative as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as a mortal man. And having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying, and the death he died was the death of a common criminal. That is why God has now lifted him so high and has given him the name beyond, every, beyond all names, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, whether in heaven or earth or under the earth, and, th and that is why in the end every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me read it please if you would be patient with me from the message translation. And it says in the message translation, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave becoming human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges, 
Instead, he lived self, a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God has lifted him high and honored him far above anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. My God. Let me read it to you from another translation, the Darby translation. And it says in the Darby translation, for let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who subsisting in the form of God did not, did not esteem it an object of rapine to be an equality with God, but emptied himself, taking a bondman's form, taking his place in the likeness of men, and having been found in figure as a man, humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of a cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and granted him a name, that which is that which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of, of heavenly and earthly and infernal beings. That means demons. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Good News Bible says it this way. I'm saying this over and over so you get it in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. It's a continual verb in the Greek, by the word of God. The attitude you should have is the one Christ Jesus had. He always had the nature of God, but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead of, the, instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, even his death on the cross. For this reason, God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. And so, in honor of the name of Jesus, all beings in heaven, on earth, and in the world below will fall on their knees and will openly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me read you the New Living, and I'm almost done. In verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The last translation is the Amplified Classic. Listen as I read it to you. And it says, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which makes God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or attained. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant and a slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further 
and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he has stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that in and at the name of Jesus Every knee must and should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. I've given you seven or eight translations there because I want you to understand that our motivation in life, our grasping this mindset, our example in our humility and the way we walk should be of Jesus. What is God saying? He's saying, don't walk arrogantly on the earth. For a sinner to say he doesn't need a savior is an arrogant statement. The Bible says a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Atheists, God calls fools. People that refuse to believe even by nature itself that there is not a divine hand of creation at work beyond the, 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 uh, the thought process of evolution. The Bible calls them fools. God himself calls them fools. It's up to them if they want to test that theory. But one day, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge. But God wants us to live alive. Did you notice it repeatedly said Jesus came. He didn't think, even though he was God, that that was the highest prize. The highest prize was coming as a servant to save humanity. Yeah. That's why he came in the, at Christmas time, uh, which, which is our time. It's not exactly when he was born. Theologians believe he was born at the time of the spring lambs, which was the lambs of sacrifice. And he probably was born and died at the very close time uh, in terms of the time of the year. But this is when society as a whole honors. Instead of us trying to go against and, and recreate the wheel, this is not the time that Jesus was born. And this, is a, this was developed in a, as a secular holiday years and years ago by ungodly men. And I'm not getting into that because some people struggle and stumble over the silliest things. It doesn't matter that this is when Jesus was actually born or not. It's the heart that God looks at. God is looking at, are you taking time to celebrate the fact that he came to earth? And that is what we're doing in this general season. This is when he came. And of course, this passage talks about him coming, which is Christmas, and him dying, which is Easter. He had to come and it wasn't the main prize to stay in heaven. The main prize was to save us. And he humbled himself and lived a life of humility because God wants us to live a life of humility. Salvation in Jesus is an act of humility. You are saying, I can't do this alone. I am not able to save myself. I have a stain upon my heart called sin. I have a nature indwelling me that wasn't my fault, but I was born into this human race and I am a sinner. I can't overcome that on my own. No matter how good I try, I will always fail. The act of salvation to say, Jesus, save me, is the ultimate act of humility. It is only the ones that are arrogant that don't get saved because they think they don't need it or they think they can stand before a holy God in their filthy garments and that for some reason, God is going to overlook them and they have a rude awakening coming. Yeah. Bible says that God resists the proud, yeah. but to the humble, he exalts them and draws them close. Yeah. God is all about humility. That's why this mind that was in Christ, this motivation, this concept is what we live our life after as our example that he came. We celebrate at Christmas that he came, Jenny, yes. but we forget to celebrate that he came and lived humbly. We forget to say that our life should be one of constant humility before God because he is greater than us. 
He didn't just come to earth as the light of the world. He came to save you. And if you're not saved today, this act of humility to say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this alone. That act of humility is why he came. And it's what he wants you to do as he was the example for you. And then he didn't just live humble and live right and live sinless, but he died humble. And he took the criminal's death, even though he was the furthest thing from a criminal, he was perfect. Because we were criminals in the eyes of God because we had broken the law. And the law demands justice and the justice demands blood and life. And he gave his life so that I wouldn't have to give mine. This is the salvation message. This is the Christmas message. This is the Easter message. We divide them, but they're the same. He had to come before he could die. <clears throat> he had to decide that the greatest treasure was not being equal with God. The greatest treasure was coming and living humbly and dying humbly. And because he so lowered himself, God gave him a name. All the prophets of the Old Testament had descriptive comments about that name, but all of them were held in the dark. No one knew this treasure in earthen vessel and what it would be called. And Gabriel broke the silence of thousands of years. He broke the silence in that simple room when he appeared to a 14-year-old pure-hearted and pure-bodied Virgin Mary. And he said, his name shall be called. And all of heaven, I can just picture every angel, every angel turned their ear. He's going to say it. The earth's atmosphere will hear it for the first time. His name shall be called Jesus. And every word and every name of the Old Testament is wrapped up in that name. And because he came and humbled himself at Christmas, at his birth, and he humbled himself at Easter, at his death, and because he, he, he thought it was more important to save you than to stay with God. God chose us so that even though his son wouldn't be near him and that he'd have to reject his son because of our sins, that's how much he loves us. Jesus chose us at, the, at his own decision. God didn't make him. He chose to come and be away from his father and then die and be separated by the sin. Go down to hell for me. He, that's how much he loves us, that he chose us to do that and to live humbly and to die humbly. But now he's no longer, uh, he's always humble, he's Jesus, but he's not humbled anymore. He, ha he used to be the son of man and the son of God coming as a servant, but now he's the son of man and the son of God as the king. He came to serve, but now he will be served. He came as a humble servant. Now he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords because he's so humble. You heard me read it. He so humbled himself that God has exalted him and given him a name. And the Lord uh, said to me, Jenny, and this is, that's the first part. And the last part of my message is the Lord said to me, son, do you remember times in your life? I can give you many stories of David DeHogan and Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and Dr. 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 Savell and Pastor Nancy and Dad Dufresne and Randy Greer and many others that we know and respect. And I can tell you their stories, but I didn't hear him say that. He said, I want you to tell, he said, tell them some of the times that name has worked in your life. And he said, just think about it, just think about it, just think about it for a minute. And sometimes you have to think, you have to stop rushing and you just have to calm down and just think for a second. And I just meditated a little bit and I thought, Lord, that mighty name, has saved me. That might, I don't just mean salvation, I mean saved me from situations, from sickness, from impossible danger, from death. I'm telling you, that name, I've seen it heal my body. I've seen it heal other bodies. 
I'm reminded in Bancroft, Ontario, we had a healing service. There were many miracles that night, but a lady, a very large overweight lady, I remember, not that that's a problem, I'm just saying I remember because she was very obese and she had broken her ankle and she was sitting because she couldn't, the weight of her body couldn't take even on one leg because she had to hold the other leg up. Uh, She hadn't got, she hadn't, she had, something had happened with the ankle, but they hadn't put a cast on it for whatever reason. There was a wrapping on it and I, and I said, take the wrapping off and they took the wrapping off and her other ankle was just a normal size. I don't know if you've noticed when you're overweight, your ankles, sometimes they do get a bit bigger, but more or less they're the same size. It's kind of like your feet. Everything else blows up, but not necessarily that part of your body. And her ankle was normal, even though she was a very large woman. You remember, Jenny, you were standing right beside me and her other ankle was the size of a small watermelon. I'll never forget it. I mean, it was this big. I mean, it was the size of a small, maybe smallish, medium-sized watermelon. It was absolutely ginormous, filled with water and whatever, all the stuff the body's trying to heal. We took the wrapping off. She was sitting down and she had her leg very gently on a chair. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, lay your hands on her in my name. And that is an impossible situation from medical science or any, I mean, it can get better over time, but I put my hands ever so gently because she's in tremendous pain, as you can imagine. That's not a time unless God tells you to slap it or hit it or punch it. You better know God told you that. I know Wigglesworth did that, but he knew God had told him to do that. But I laid my hands ever so gently on her, on her ankle on that large ball. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is stronger than the name of inflammation and pain. I commend it in his name not that I have power but that his name has power and it's been given to me to use and I said I commend you to go down and to be healed and then I went to the next person and I heard the Holy Ghost you remember he said stop go back and watch and I stopped I walked back uh, three or four feet Uh, I said I'll be back to the person I said I'll be back to pray for you but I need to watch something and Jenny and I watched with our own eyes with the pastor Pastor Mike, remember Jenny, and his wife, and about uh, 30 other people that gathered around in a circle. And I said, watch what God, watch what the name will do. And we watched as that watermelon, within about 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, we watched it go in front of us. And the, an- and the ankle was made perfectly normal within 45 seconds. And people were screaming and hollering. The lady jumped up, started dancing. I thought, my God, don't dance too, lady. Much before you lose some weight, you'll break the ankle again. But she was dancing and dancing. Remember that, Jenny? God did it right in front of our eyes. We saw that thing go down. That's the power of the name. Now I'm 16 years old and I'm in Chernobyl with the Chernobyl Children's Hospital in Kiev, Ukraine. And the blast that had occurred in 86, we're there in 92. And the blast that had occurred, what is that, six years before? Mothers that were pregnant, they got to form babies on the inside. Little children that were, you know, other deformities happened externally, internally. But there was a hospital devoted for mothers that had been pregnant. And this one, and we went ward to ward to ward to ward. And this one little girl, she was about six and a half, seven years old. And all the nerves on her right side were dead. And her eye drooped and was discolored. Her ear was discolored. When the nerves die, everything gets affected. She couldn't smile. Her skin drooped. Her other, and she looked at me and she smiled. And this was all light up and this was all dead. And she had a babushka, which is a grandmother. You think the lady in Bancroft was big? You've never seen a babushka as big as this lady. She was at least 400 pounds, maybe five. 
wife. And, uh, and she was sitting there. It's like a little cell. They're so poor. They're like little prison cells almost, although it's a hospital. She's sitting on the bed. I mean, there's no room in this tiny little six foot by whatever, uh, 15 foot little room. Not like our beautiful hospitals here. Very poor. And uh, I remember for lunch, they served us potatoes that were boiled in charcoal to kill the germs and, and the stuff, charcoal kills it. They were so poor, that's all they had to offer us. And I remember I ate, that was the most disgusting meal I've ever eaten in my entire life. I was gagging as I was eating it. Don't ever have potatoes in charcoal, you won't like it. But anyway, moving right along, this is before the potato story. The before the potato experience. This is before lunch. Thank God it happened before lunch. I wouldn't have had faith after lunch. Anyway, and so, and I looked, and the anger of the Holy Ghost, because he gets angry with the works of hell and the devil, and the anger of God came upon me when I saw this beautiful little face of innocence and purity and to see that the work of the devil. You say, that's not the work of the devil, Pastor Craig. That's the work of chemicals. That's the work of a, of a nuclear blast. But all sickness and all deformity originates from Satan. It doesn't originate from God. And and he smiles in glee at little children that are deformed. And Jesus smiles in compassion while he smiles in glee. And I felt the anointing of God come. And I put my hands on her, on her little face, that little six and a half, seven-year-old face. I didn't get her name. I wish I did. This is many years ago. She would be probably in her 30s now. But uh, she was seven and a half. I was only 16 at that point. And I put my hands on her face and I said, Father, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, has set her free from the law of sin and of death. And I say in the name, it's the name that is above every name that has power over nerves. I said, in the name of Jesus, I commend you. Be healed. And, I, and her skin started to move on its own like there was wind, but there was no wind. And I watched and the babushka got off the bed, I remember, because she saw something happening and she came over close and she's watching and I'm watching. And my partner uh, was watching. Actually, she got afraid at one point and left. We went in twos, but I, so I was left alone with the babushka. And we watched as that nerve, now I've studied it, what that nerve condition, I, it's a long medical term. I don't know how, to, I don't have it in my notes, but I don't, can't remember how to pronounce it to you. But there's a medical condition that happens when, when, when that kind of stuff, because of radiation, it kills. And it's, they say that the nerves with surgery can't, it can't happen on its own. It's medically impossible. With surgery, even with surgery, when they reconnect the nerves, it grows. The nerve growth happens. The conduction of nerves as it comes back to life, once they reconnect it to living nerves, takes one inch per month. And they say for that, for the whole face was at least 12 inches, if not longer, of nerve with all the little the spherical nerves that go all the way. At least 12 inches for that kind of condition. I've studied, I've researched it medically. And I watched as her smile began to break and break and break and break and her eye began to open and the color returned to her face. And I'm watching, Jenny, 12 inches minimum of nerve deadness being healed in about 30 seconds, maybe less. It seemed to me that it was 20 seconds, maybe less, but either way, it was one or two seconds God did, which would take a year of natural body rest restoration. And that babushka started to scream. I didn't understand why she was screaming at first because she was screaming in my ear. I'm only 116 pounds at that point. I was half the man I am today. And, and, uh, and, and, she, and she grabbed me. She pulled me and enveloped me into the rolls of her fat. And I'll never forget that. I thought I'm going to die. I, I literally couldn't. She had me 
not outside the wall. She had me into her bosoms, and, and, and they were the largest that the God has ever seen fit to create. And she pulled me, and I, I went in, literally into her, and she's screaming and jumping and screaming in joy and jumping, saying words in Russian. I don't know what she's talking about. But, and then she, she starts to lose her footing and, and, and move like this. And there's just, we're only six feet. And she, and she starts to go like this, her elbow, and kind of this part is hitting the wall. But remember, my head is in her bosoms. And my head is being smashed against the cement wall as she puts 400 pounds of pressure against a 116-pound small boy. I'll never forget it. I started to cry. I started to say, let me go. Let me go. Let me go. I said, help, help. And the doctors heard her screaming and my screaming, but we were screaming for different reasons. And I remember the doctor ran. When I went to his office later, there was pornography all over his office. I'll never forget that. He came running with the commotion. What is happening? Other doctors started running in and they looked at the girl and I saw tears coming down their eyes and they were saying something in Russian. I don't know. They finally got her to let me go. They had to physically restrain her and get her to let me go. And because I, this is a life and death scenario for me. And we laugh now, but I was not laughing at that moment. And I looked at the girl and she's standing there and she's smiling. She's smiling with a perfect face. And the doctors are crying and the grandmother is crying. Because of something called the name of Jesus. No other name can do that, my brother and sister. This week I was in a place where somebody had done something that they shouldn't have done and they'd watched something that they shouldn't have watched and an evil spirit came into a house and it was a spirit of murder and I was there and that spirit walked into the room and I'm telling you every hair stood up on the back of my neck. I felt like it was going to murder me. Those demons are very real. You watch, you watch certain things on television and they'll come into your house to oppress you. Yeah. And, I, and I, was, I felt the fear, the physical symptoms of fear. I've been in haunted houses before. I know exactly. All those stupid, stupid, stupid paranormal people. They don't know what they're doing. And by the way, they can't get rid of it. The only thing that demons listen to is that name. The only thing that they listen to. And when those people come in and give them attention, that makes it worse. And I've been in many haunted houses before, but this just happened this last week. It wasn't a haunted house, but there was that evil spirit, and I felt it. Every hair went up. I felt like it was going to murder me. It was, the Lord said to me, it's a spirit of murder. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, speak to it in my name. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that name, you must obey it. You have no right not to obey it. You have no right to be here. I command you to leave. And I'm talking about from one second to the next second, the atmosphere felt like I was going to be murdered. And within a second, it was peaceful and normal. Right. I'm telling you, things obey the name. Yes. I say to the three Indian pastors, let us go. We're walking to a restaurant. This is in 1995. <laughs> so I'm 19 years old. And we walk and they says, no, Pastor Craig, we must go a long way. I says, why? The restaurant's right there. We can't go there. We can't go there. I said, why? I see the restaurant right there. I'm hungry. I'm only 112 pounds by this point. <laughs> when I got back, Pastor Bud Coulter, Pastor Bud Williams, excuse me, from Evangel Temple, when he pulled me up in front of the congregation, he looked at me and he said, you need to eat a sandwich. Because I was 110 pounds when I got back from, from India. I'd lost so much weight. 
at five, almost 10, 110 pounds. And so, uh, but I, because I, I got very sick and also I didn't like their food, so I just never ate anything ever. <laughs> but I needed to eat that day and I wanted to go to the restaurant and they said, no, we can't go that way. And I said, why? They said, because the troll lives under the bridge. I said, what are you talking about? That's a nursery song. The troll under the bridge. I said, that's a nursery rhyme. That's, what are you talking about? They said, oh no, pastor, there's a monster that lives under that bridge. The people call it a troll. He appears at times and people see it and he's a big hairy beast and he hates he hates everybody, but he especially hates Christians. Well, those demons hate Christians. And he said, last week we watched a man walk over. He wasn't a Christian. And we saw, he didn't appear that time, but he said, we saw something. He was fighting for his life with this invisible foe. And, and he, we could see the, 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 the hits against his face. We could see his body being thrown back and forth. And he's grabbing the handrails and he's screaming, screaming, help me. And nobody dares go on the bridge. And they see him lose his grip and fall 20 feet to the cavern below. And they found his body later strangled from an invisible force called a troll that lived under that bridge. This is a demon entity that is very powerful and has killed many people and keeps the people in fear. And I felt the rage of the Holy Ghost, the anger of God at the fear of man. Then we have been given a name. How dare we? How dare we be afraid of darkness? And I said, pastors, I'm going whether you're coming or not. And they refused to come on that bridge. And I walked to the middle of the bridge and I felt the Holy Ghost say, call to them. And I said, pastors, come to me. I'm only 19 years old. I said, come to me, pastors. And they said, no, no, no. And I said, I, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, speak to that thing. And I spoke to it. The people, people gathered around because nobody goes on that bridge. People gathered, a crowd started to gather and watch this little white boy. No match, no match for that except they didn't count that I've been given a name. And I said, I spoke, I pointed my, my finger to the bottom, like to the bridge. And I said, I speak to you. I said, I see you hear me. I said, you better hear me. I speak to you in the name. And I say, don't you ever come back on this bridge again. And they told me later, they've never had another occurrence. It's not because I'm great and I'm theological and I've got a PhD. It's because I simply believe that God has given me a name above every name. Every name, every name. That ex-witch in the jungles, six hours from civilization. They've never seen white people before. She was the witch of the region. She got saved. She's dying of malaria. There's a malaria outbreak. I'm exhausted. We go 12, 14 hours a day in 45 degrees Celsius temperature. I am at the end of my rope. It's dark. You can't see your face and your fan in front of you. It's that dark in the jungle. We're in a four by four. God says to the pastor, we must go one more village. I says, God is not talking to you, brother. God's talking to me. I want to go back to my cement slab because they didn't give us beds and I need to sleep. I am absolutely exhausted. One more. We go, we go, we go. Make a long story short. We see an animal far down the path in the jungle path. He, he, he gets ready with his gun. I says, uh, he says, there's an animal sitting there. Why won't it move? And it gets closer and he realizes it's human eye shine, not an animal eye shine. There's tigers there. So they have to be very careful. And he's, as he gets closer, he sees the gate of the town and it's closed. And this woman is sitting at the, at the base of the gate and she's staring and she's listless. And the pastor jumps out, Aubrey jumps out of the vehicle. And he says, that's my congregation member. She's the ex-witch, the only one that got saved in that village. The most powerful witch in the whole region. If she cursed you, you died. Everybody was afraid of her and then everybody hated her when she became a Christian. Because they're all Hindus. 
and she's dying of malaria. Her husband wouldn't help her. Nobody would help her. They left her for dead. She crawled. Jesus appeared to her and said to her three days before, in three days, two pa three pastors and a pastor's wife will come. One will lay hands on you and I'll heal you. One will lay hands on you, excuse me, in my name and I'll heal you. And she waited for two days and at the, early, the dawn of the third, she crawled. She crawled. What was that? Half, half a kilometer, give or take. It took her the whole day to crawl because she couldn't walk. She was so weak. She made it to the gate, got out and sat there. She, the animals would have got her that night. She sat there unable to move. She would have died waiting for three pastors and a pastor's wife. One of the main pastors got sick, so his wife came with us, and there was me and Aubrey and an Iranian pastor, three pastors and a pastor's wife. And, and she's, she's weak, just so weak, saying it in her language. And he's listening and crying and listening, and I'm crying, and I'm so tired. I'm like, well, stop crying and tell me what's going on. You know, I don't, you get annoyed when you're tired and cranky and you don't want to hear some people crying. Then he tells me and I start crying. And she says, she says, the one, one of you, Jesus said, will touch me with their hand and I will be healed. Who is the leader of your group? And everybody looks to me. And our Pastor Aubrey says, Pastor Craig, you're the, you're the leader of this group. Would you do the honor? And I said to her and he translated, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you in the name. I have nothing in myself, but that name has all power. And she says, sir, I'll never forget it. Don't waste your whole hand on me. She said, put one finger. One finger has enough power. Just like the lady who said, I'll eat the crumbs. <laughs> and I took my index finger and she had her head against the gate. She looked up at me. She closed her eyes. And I put my finger, index finger right in the middle of her forehead. And something came out of my hand like an electric current. It was tangible. I felt it go like that out of my finger when I touched her. And she jolted like somebody had put her finger in a socket. And she was instantaneously healed. She jumped up and started screaming. She couldn't walk. She could had to crawl there. She was in the fourth and last stage of malaria. There is no medical help. Even if doctors come, they can't really help you at that point, at least back then. And there is no doctors. This is six hours from the closest town in the middle of the jungles where the, lion, where the tigers roam free. And she jumped and began to dance around the car and shout and sing. And she's grabbing me and I'm dancing. And I'm not a dancer, but I danced an Indian dance that day. Yeah. And she says, come, I must let you make you meal. I must make you food. I said, I'm tired. But he says, you must go. You'll offend her. So we went and she says, see, see this instrument. It's like a guitar looking like thing. She says, I worshiped Satan with this. This is for you, Pastor Craig. You worship Jesus with it. So I took the guitar and I began to strum. She said, this bowl, I gave blood sacrifices to Satan. Pastor Craig, this is your bowl to eat with. She gave me all the demon utensils. But she's saved, so they're washed by the blood of Jesus now. And we ate chapatis, and she made us food, and we sang into the early hours of the morning. And it was the most glorious experience. I'll never forget it. I'm, I can't wait to see her in heaven. But I'm telling you, it wasn't me, and it's not, it's not, it's something called the name. Flesh-eating disease came upon my oldest son, trying to kill him. His skin turned black, the color black. I mean black like this Bible. And my wife lunged at him and said, in the name. And within 48 hours, he was totally healed. And they said medically it was impossible. My son, my second oldest, had an accident. He split his foot open. You could see the bones. You could see, I saw it with my own eyes. His big toe and his little toe, he was running and he clipped something and it ripped his foot open. I could see the bones and the tendons.
And, and my other son, his brother, a year older, is sitting on the couch saying, oh God, come, show us your power. Oh God, come. And I gently, blood everywhere, I, three towels soaked with blood. And I put my hands ever so gently on Cole's toe. And I said, in the mighty name of Jesus, I command you to seal and to be healed. And I went to sleep. And I, I don't know how I forgot about it, but God caused me spiritual amnesia. I didn't remember. I came home and I remembered as I walked in the door the next day at four o'clock. And I said, Jennifer, where's the boys? Where's Cole? He's up in the tub. And I yelled at her, why would you let him get in the tub? You saw him. He can't be in water. And I read, let's see it, not in much faith then, but I sure had faith the night before. <laughs> and I ran and they're in the tub together playing as the boys do. And I said, Coley, and I remember I pushed him back and I grabbed his leg to try to get it out of the water. And I'm looking and I'm pulling the toes apart. And I said, where is it? Where is it? And I said, I got the wrong foot. And I pushed it and I grabbed the other foot and I looked and I couldn't find it. And I said, which toe did you hurt? And he said, this toe, daddy. And I looked and I looked. There wasn't even a scar. I'm Jenny. There wasn't even a scar. God did a divine surgery as he slept that night and knitted his skin together in a way that even medical science can. And to this day, there's not a scar. I saw his bones and his tendons inside his foot. But there's something called a name that is stronger than demons, stronger than sin, stronger than sickness, stronger than hell, stronger than malaria, stronger than any form of darkness, any form of weakness. This is the great honor of the Christian. No other person can wield that name. When they tried in the New Testament and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, the demons jumped on them, ripped their clothes off, beat them to a pulp, and they went naked and bleeding in the streets because devils don't listen to people that don't know the name. Right. You can't be a puppeteer with the name Jesus. Either you know it or you don't. So if you're listening to me and you're not a Christian, let me tell you, Jesus set the example. He came. He humbled himself. You were his prize. More than even staying in heaven, he came for you. And he, he humbled himself to die for you. All he says is, follow my example. Humble yourself and receive me. I'll give you not only eternity in heaven. I'll give you mansions of glory. I'll be with you forever. He is, I'm not looking forward to the mansion. I'm looking forward to him. But he said, I'll give you something else. While you're on this earth, before you get over yonder with me, anything that gets in your way, any sickness, any darkness, any plague, anything of the devil's camp. I give you something so precious. It's far more valuable than money. It's far more valuable than any other natural tool. I give you something called a name. Every prophet of the Old Testament spoke of it in hidden mystery because they didn't know what it was called. And I give it to you. I'm greater. We're more worthy. We're more honored than even Abraham, Jenny, than the prophet Isaiah. They didn't know it. They weren't given it. They were given types and shadows and descriptive comments about it. But he gave it to the church. He gave it to me. That name can save you today if you're not born again. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead and alive. And if you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord that's it. Believe that he's alive and that God raised him and say his mighty name. 
Jesus, I call upon you. You are my Lord. The Bible says he'll do a miracle and he'll save you. He makes it so simple. You don't have to go through some long rosary. You don't have to go through some long drawn out prayer. It's a simple believing and then saying, saying, confessing his lordship with his own name out of your own mouth and he'll save you today. If you're sick, he'll heal you today. Believers that are watching, be encouraged. You're not alone. God is with you. You are not alone to face COVID or to face this. He's given you a name. Rise up. You don't have to be in India to use it. You don't have to have some haunted house to use it. You may not even have any major problem going on. Rise up in whatever you're facing and speak that name and things will bow. Things will obey. Things will turn. Tides will change. If God, Jennifer, through the great man Joshua, who didn't have the name, just said God and spoke, and the earth paused on its ecliptic, and the sun stayed in the sky. And he didn't even have the name. He just had Yahweh. And we have a name greater than every name, including the name Yahweh, the name Jesus. It's the greatest name of all. I don't want to make it sound like it's greater than Adonai or Yahweh or Jehovah because they're all God's name. But this is the name of the church age that he gave us, the name Jesus. If earth could pause its ecliptic without even Joshua knowing the greatest name, can you imagine what God can do through us if we would just believe? Heavenly Father, I pray for every person watching today that is not a Christian, that does not know you, Jesus, I have in a simple way tried to explain to them that as Jesus came to the earth, which is what we're celebrating at Christmas, humbling himself, not seeing the prize to stay with God, but to see the prize to save humanity. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant and died and rose. Jesus, these ones watching that are not saved, they must humble themselves. The greatest act of humility is to admit we need a savior. You won't know them afar off. You will draw them close to you. You will exalt them and save them and put eternity in their hearts and salvation in their souls. If you're like that this morning, pray this simple prayer. And then there's going to be an email address on the screen in a minute. It's going to say salvation at promiseoflife.ca. We're not, we're not trying to after you for, uh, for nefarious reasons, money, try to put you on a mailing list. That is not what we're doing at all. We just want you to know that if you'd like a Bible for free, if you'd like some material for free, if you'd like to call and talk to somebody that can pray with you, or you just want us to mail you something to help you in your walk with God, email us at salvation at promiseoflife.ca and we'll, ta- we'll do our best. We'll, we'll go as far with you as you're willing to go with us including helping you find a good church in your area because you need a pastor and a church if you're going to continue growing. Heavenly Father, let them pray this prayer from their heart. Let them say it as a witness to the angels of heaven, to the demons of hell, and more importantly, to you, O God, yourself. Let them say this prayer from their hearts. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. Just say it after me as I'm praying. If you mean it, pray it, but mean it sincerely, and God will hear you. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I admit that I'm a sinner. I humble myself for the greatest act of humility to say I need a Savior. I confess Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart. You raised him from the dead. I call upon his name. Save me, Jesus. You said those that call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. I call today. Jesus, you're my Lord.
Thank you for washing me with your blood. Thank you for saving me. I have a whole new life now. My eternity in heaven is safe. The devil is no longer my father. You, Heavenly Father, are my God and my everlasting Father. Lead me. Help me find a good church. If I'm within driving distance, let me come to promise of life that I can learn and become a strong believer. Faith comes by hearing the word. And my brother and sister, you've got to hear the word if you're going to grow strong. Can't just pray. You've got to come and hear the word. So, Lord, I thank you for saving them. For every believer watching, Lord, I thank you for strengthening them. It's so simple. It wasn't a very deep message, but I did that on purpose. I believe that's how you wanted it to be today, Father. To remind them of the mightiness of the name. I've got many more stories, dozens I could tell them. But I just shared a few highlights where I've seen that name change impossible situations. And it would work for them the same. You don't love me more. You're no respecter of persons, Acts 10, 34. All they have to do is meditate on your word, build their faith, which comes by the word. Get a revelation of that name and speak it and believe that what they say will obey them according to Mark 11:23, And they'll have whatever they say because that name makes everything move. So I thank you. Now there's a, uh, there's a child that's been struggling with, with nightmares and night terrors. I see that, Father, and I command in Jesus' name that evil spirits, you leave them in Jesus' name. That schizophrenia, I command you, leave them in Jesus' name. You foul demon of torment and harassment in the minds of men and women that are watching. That fear, that overwhelming fear, that phobia, I commend you in Jesus' name. Go from them, you foul demon of hell that oppresses them and harasses them and causes them torment. I commend you, loose them, go out of them, come out of them in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Their minds are free, their minds are clear. I thank you that their minds are sound. There's a lady that you're paralyzed with fear. I commend that fear. Go from her in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those atmospheres and homes. I command you to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I command those things to leave. Father, I thank you for all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You gave us your name. You gave us your name. You said in my name, the sick shall be healed. So, Father, wherever they are sick, whatever body part, put your hand. Whether you're a Christian or not, put your hand on the body part that is ailed, that is painful, that is hurting. In faith, do it. Don't do it because you, you think, I've got any power. It's the name of Jesus that brings the power. It's my faith in that name. Like Peter and John lifted up the crippled man, and they said when they were persecuted by the religious leaders, they said, his name and faith in his name has made this man whole. I have faith in that name. Whether you have enough faith or not, I've got enough faith for both of us. So put your hand on your body part right now. If it's your head, if it's migraines, if it's, if it's your liver, if it's your blood, if it's your eyes, if it's your bones, just put your hand as a point of contact. Father, you see every hand. You see where it's laid. I say in the name of Jesus, I say in faith in that mighty name that raised up that ex-witch, that bound the devil's power, that has healed my children and my body, and that healed that lady in bankrupt, that has healed thousands 
thousands in this ministry over the years. Father, in that name, faith in your mighty name, I say to the ones that are releasing their faith and that by point of contact are touching the part that is ailed or in pain, and I say in Jesus' name, pain, go now. I say sickness, dissolve now. I say tumors, fall now. I say cancer, wither now. I say blood, be normal now. Circulation, be healed. Eyes, be healed. Deaf ears, open in Jesus' name. Eyes, be strong in Jesus' name. Brain, be perfect in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that whatever it is, whatever they need, whether it's a healing or a miracle, I say in Jesus' name, according to your faith, be it unto you. I say, behold, behold and be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I release power in that name to flow through the screen. In Jesus' name right now, behold. In Jesus' name right now, be free. In Jesus' name right now, be delivered. And I thank you, Father, that you honor my faith. You honor their faith. You honor the execution of that mighty name this morning. And we give you praise that it's working. It's working. Some of you it's instant. Others of you it's by process. For those that are by process, don't undo the power of God by complaining or saying, well, that didn't really work. Only a little bit happened. No, your way to keep the power of God flowing, the way to keep the, the, the electricity flowing of the Holy Ghost, the healing virtue of God, is keep the switch of faith turned on. How do you keep the switch of faith turned on? With your words. Just keep saying, Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Your healing power is flowing in me. Your healing power is making me well. Lord, I sense some of it. Maybe I don't sense any of it. Maybe I sense a lot. Lord, I keep praising you until it's 100% complete in my body or in my mind. I'm healed in my children's body. I will keep praising you until I see it complete. Father, I praise you now. It's working in them. It's working in them. It's working in sinner and saint alike. It's working. And saint and sinner, when you've been healed and touched by the power and presence of God, don't walk away. Bow your heart humbly and receive him as your savior like I prayed a few minutes ago. Don't let him heal you and love you and walk away from him. He loves you. Come to him. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. That's humble. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God sees the heavy burden people are under, but when they come to Jesus, he lifts it off them by the power of that name, and he puts a lightness and a joy in their hearts. There's still tests and trials and challenges we go through, but we don't go through it alone. We go through it with God with us. We go through it with a name, and we always win. Father, I thank you. Hallelujah. I just felt that anointing lift off me. I heard the Holy Ghost say, your assignment is complete today. So, Lord, I've done what you've asked me to do, and you are pleased. I thank you for every member that's watching, every visitor that's watching. Let them know how much you love them. Let them come and tune in on Wednesday. Let them not be unfaithful. Let them be faithful to not just the main services, but much is said in the midweek that in some ways not is more valuable, but is just different and precious in its own right that they need to hear. I thank you that they watch on Wednesday night, and they show you honor. It's not about me. It's about you, Father. I give you praise for it. And the glory goes to you, Jesus, for all you've done today. I love you. Thank you for giving us the name. We will use it in 2020 and we'll use it in 2021 more than we have. In Jesus' name I pray.